I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> name of everything majestic are you oh i'm sublime i'm excited i'm 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 zen uh, i'm all sorts of contradictory things um welcome listener to sustainable sustainable number 35 Ooh, very exciting haven't we come a long way yeah we have come a very long way uh and we are getting close to the end of the year but there is still babble in our stocking what have we got coming up this week oh well, you know, at this point, I usually try and make a weak pun that links all of the things we're saying or we're going we, to talk about. Yeah, you yeah, do make yeah. a weak pun. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm not going to bother this week because, well, because we're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're talking about the Terminator um, because he has been incredible. Um, we'll also be doing our regular features on predictions. Um, Dave said there's going to be a big old climate deal. But we will also be talking about some cracking sustainable from one of the biggest, most destructive companies in the world. Ooh. And, good news everybody, Kim Jong-un is going to save us all. That's right everybody, North Korea's on its way. Don't worry. Crikey Moses. As always, the disclaimer, uh, we do work for environmental charities, including over the weekend, but this is very much our own views. If you've got any problem with any of the horsey plop we're about to serve you, take it up with the horse <laughs> and not with a restaurant. Of, of the week. So, in a in a dramatic change to the usual format, we're going straight in with Anti Inhoff of the week. Uh, this is the section where we we find the sort of heroes and sheroes of uh, climate action uh, who have surprisingly, against all odds, done something brilliant, and they don't come much more heroic than the Terminator, than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, what's he said, Dave? Oh, I love Arnie. So, um, Arnie used to be an incredibly large muscle box who went around punching people in the face and getting paid for it, right? Mm. Uh, and lifting weights and having a very small willy. Now, what? He... Wow, gosh. You're... Yeah, okay. don't you remember the um, Spitting Image song? Hang on, I'll play a bit of it. I make all the girlies sigh. I am physical perfection, but this one thing makes me cry. Yeah, my belly is tiny. My thingy is terribly small. Yes, he did all of those things, and he was uh, a very fine actor. He was a dog shit, but he was uh, a pretty decent governor of California, so he turned his hands, as everyone knows, to uh, governating, didn't he? And he was the boss of California for how long? Eight years, was it? Something like that. Something like that. Long time. And one of them things that people maybe do or don't know about Arnie is that he's proper green, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's done a huge amount of solar. Um, he's, he's done a lot. Um, I mean, admittedly, it's California where solar makes a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, he's done a lot uh, to incentivize clean cars. Um, Is that he, by going up to people with dirty cars and threatening to punch them in the face? Yeah, I mean, imag- I imagine nudge theory doesn't really apply with, with Arnie, does it? It's more thwack round the face theory until, <laughs> until you do what I say. Right? Wrong. 
um, so we did that. Uh, he was well into the whole sort of um, emissions trading thing, which they got going in California. Anyway, he's a big old greenie, and he's and he's not afraid of, of talking about it either. He's not one of these shy greenies. Um, he's not really no, shy no, anything, like, is he? Like you or I, he doesn't he doesn't you know hide his light under a bushel <laughs> like like you or I do. He goes out and he and he talks about it. And what he's been talking about uh, last week is the big mahusive climate shindig in Paris, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, And he's been over there, hasn't he? He's been there. He's been there where you're going. Yeah, he's been there. People have been furiously trying to take selfies um, with him. But more importantly, he came out with, he just did this this, uh, sort of motivational speech, which, (laughs) I mean, any speech by on is going to be motivational. But um, he sort of dispensed with uh, the humdrum of, uh, you know, emissions this and uh, ratchet mechanism that. And he just... Oh, hang on, sexy ratchet mechanism music. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. That's my words. (sighs) And he said, anyway, he stood up and he said in a way that only Arnie can, I know there are cynics around here. He sounds a lot like you. (laughs) I know there are cynics around here when you walk around Paris that say there will be no treaty, that there won't be a Kyoto 2. There will be nothing like that, nothing that will be enforceable or they will have or that will have any teeth or simply that they say it is impossible. At this point, he unleashes all hell. Ladies and gentlemen, I have heard the word impossible my entire life. I never ever listen to the naysayers. I eliminated the word impossible from my vocabulary. So when people say that it can't be done, I did it. Yeah, Arnie. Yeah, that's right. That's what you can say when you're the size of a house, isn't it? You can say, (laughs) no one tells me what to do. It's like Tyson Fury. Have you heard Tyson Fury? Have you actually heard it? I never want to engage with that. Tyson Fury is immensely scary, and not just because he could squash me to the size of a bin lid, but he is absolutely terrifying. Have yeah. a listen to this. Have you got anything you can tell us about... about yes, the- I have. I've got lots to tell you. Go on, just give us... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So I put it to Mr Arnie Schwarzenegger, although I wouldn't probably put it to his face, that you haven't eliminated the word impossible from your vocabulary, because you just said it, didn't you? A few couple of times. Yeah, all right. That, yeah. That's a fair point. Um, yeah. Unless yeah. the word vocabulary has been eliminated from your vocabulary, but it hasn't because you said like, that as well. <laughs> I would like to see you stand up in the meeting where he's, he's delivered this speech. Go, uh, excuse me, Mr Schwarzenegger. I don't, I don't understand. Technically true that you've eliminated that word, at which point he would just crush you with one finger. And he wouldn't anymore anyway. Yeah. He's, he's 100 years old now. I could have him. <laughs> wow. Who do you reckon would win in a fight, me or Arnie now? What? <laughs> I could so Arnie. have Arnie. No, you couldn't. I could. I, I, I could so have Arnie. Right, we're going to make this happen. Babylese, oh, uh, Babel Army, uh, join me in this cause. Uh, donate what you can. We'll set up a Just Giving page. Spread the word. It's Dave Viani, the vegan versus the Terminator. <laughs> Bring it. You are terminated. Seamless link, Ol. It's like you do this stuff on purpose. So the other thing that Arnie had done over in Paris, well, he's done loads of wonderful stuff, frankly, but he also talked about being vegan, or not exactly, but he talked about eating less meat. Uh, and he said... Uh, I'm not even going to try and do the accent. I reckon people would eat less of it. You've got, you got to eat less. It's the single biggest problem. It's responsible for 28% of the world's emissions. And he suggested 
according to America Online, terminating meat and dairy at least mm. one or two days a week, which apparently got him a lot of beef. Oh, very nice, Dave. According, uh, no, 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 no. According to America Online, who have right. got all yeah. the puns. Yeah, very good. As, as has been, it is quite accurate to point out that the reason that he's so famous is because he's the side of a house, and the reason he's the size of a house is because he's eaten 25 million animals. <laughs> he has three live chickens for breakfast. And final, final Arnie excellence is that he, uh, he's put a quite an ag- aggressive post on Facebook, um, basically saying what the Independent described as a foolproof argument against climate change deniers. And I think partly it's foolproof because it's Arnie and you don't disagree with Arnie. But um, he begins, bear in mind, this is ex-California governor and one time potential president of USA Canada. And he begins, I don't give a fuck. We agree about climate change. I see your questions each and every time I post on my Facebook page and tweet about my crusade for a clean energy future. I wow. see them. <laughs> and he goes on like this. And he just, he does actually make some really simple and cool points, including my favourite one is like, I have a final question and it will take some imagination. There are two doors. Behind door number one is a completely sealed room with a regular gasoline-fueled car. Behind door number two is an identical, completely sealed room with an electric car. Both engines are running full blast. I want you to pick a door to open and enter the room and shut the door behind you. You have to stay in the room you choose for one hour. You cannot turn off the engine. You do not get a gas mask. I'm guessing you chose door number two with the electric car, right? Door number one is a fatal choice. Who would ever want to breathe these fumes? This is the choice the world is making right now. I mean, yeah, I'd buy that. Still beat him up, though. Prediction time. So, prediction time. And again, apologies to regular listeners whose equilibrium will have been thrown right out by the order of this show. I don't think anyone who listens to us has any equilibrium whatsoever. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, but we are going to crack on with prediction time, which is the bit of the show where we whap our crystal balls on the table, stare lovingly into them and try to work out what's going to happen. But we also have a little look back and see what we predicted last time. And the reason we're doing it like this is because last time Dave said this. My prediction is that they're going to make a deal in Paris, right? That's not the prediction, because Whoop I don't think that's dee a big doo. surprise. But I think <laughs> that I will ask you at the next available opportunity, I will sit on you and tickle you, and I'll say, tell me whether you think that deal that has been made, honestly now, honestly, tell me all whether you think that is a decent deal or not. And you are going to have to admit that you think that it is. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Good luck with that. I did say that. And what we're going to have to do in order to find out whether that is true is two things. First, the next time I see you, I'm going to have to sit on you and tickle you and get you to tell me whether or not you think it is a good deal that's been done. Uh, And secondly, the laptop actually been a deal that's been done at the time of recording, which was last Thursday. We don't know. Um, So we're going to do a bit of audio magic and we're going to jump forward a few days till Sunday after the deal has been done when Ol will be back from Paris and we can find out what happened. So 
welcome to Sunday. Welcome to the future. Mm. How extraordinary. <laughs> so this is still the past, but it's the future for us when we started, but it's still the past, yes? And it really is as simple as that. <laughs> Ol, you look tired. Now, you were just back from Paris. You were there, weren't you? You were there for the historic moment of the conclusion of the Mahusiv Climate Shindig. Why do you look so bloody awful? <laughs> Firstly, thank you. That's nice of you to say. Uh, yes, well, it was It was um, an intense 48 hours or so, uh, I have to say. Uh, and that's not me just sort of being laddie and euphemistic for actually I got drunk. Hey, 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 it. It was very, very full on for a lot of people. Um, and there was lots going on. And I mean, the reason I was there was to take part in a lot of um, activities, demonstrations, which... Um, were all about sort of people power, really. And, uh, well, the the headline news is that there is a, what people are describing as, historic climate deal. Hooray! I see no objections. The Paris Agreement is adopted. Um, I mean, Uh-oh. historic in the sense that it happened <laughs> in the past and is part of history. Uh, right. But we'll get over that. Uh, and the deal uh, does, it, everyone signed up to it, is committing to keeping global emissions well below two degrees. Um, and then there is an ambition in there to keep them below 1.5 degrees. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I think that no one really saw that level of headline success coming um, a few months ago. Uh so that's probably that's probably a good outcome. Yeah. Well, um, it seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so why have you therefore got what I can only describe as a, frankly, it wasn't all that good look all over your face? <laughs> um, it's, or is that just you wanted to be sick into a bag? It's, it's a tired, it's a tired thing. There are definitely <laughs> different ways of looking at it. Um, I mean, as we knew well before the Paris conference even took place, um, this was never going to be about how people were going to cut carbon, how we're actually going to deliver this stuff, right? So it's it's a piece of paper that says this is what we're going to try and do, um, but it doesn't say how we're going to do it. So that's... Is it like in the Great British Bake Off where they have to make a cake given only like, you know, (laughs) get some flour and some water and some currants and make a millefoy or something? (laughs) Millefoy. Oh, I'm French now. I've been in France, innit? Is it like that? Is it basically like, um, you're going to make a cake, you've got to use this stuff, but how you do it's up to you. Or is there not even a list of ingredients? Uh, it's minimal, minimal ingredients. But the 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 to to take a positive spin on it, I think what this has said really, really clearly is that the the age of fossil fuels is now, um, well, the end game is is in sight. Basically, um, even the coal industry, the global coal industry, reacted by saying something like, "Oh, we'd we'd like to see more of a focus on oh, clean God. coal technologies," oh, and everyone just sort of went. No, dude, have some dignity. It's over. <laughs> Did Arnie go up and punch anyone in the face? Did he get hold of the guy from Peabody Energy or, you know, the World Coal Association and terminate them in front of the entire room? That would have been good. <laughs> he should have done. He should have done. Um, other bad things, um, there is, you know, very little in the way of the rich countries who have done most to cause climate change taking responsibility for it. 
promising to pay more money to the people who are suffering uh, already and going to suffer more in the future, the impacts of climate change. That that never really got uh, anywhere near the table. And that's a, that's a massive failure, I think. Um, however, again, no one really, when you've got the US and the EU at the negotiating table, no one really expected them to, to go, all right, put it in. So... Again, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Oh <laughs> I'm so um, tired. So I'll tell you what. So rather than rather than do this to you, I feel very very bad because yeah, you do look like total toilet. Um, <laughs> what I think we should do, listeners. So um, we will have a bit of a rundown next week on a bit more detail of what it all means. And to be honest, um, I feel a little bit kind of all over the place about it. So I wasn't in France. I was um, uh, somewhere else. And what I what I was struck by very mysterious. On, <laughs> yes. <laughs> stuff what i was what i was struck by on social media was the total complete and utter spectrum of views that are out there so Mm. it is possible on my twitter feed to see simultaneously people tweeting this is extraordinary we have saved the planet it's the end of the fossil fuel industry this is the point that people will look back and say we did it right and that's the stuff that's coming out of barack obama's gob and all that kind of thing and Mm. all of the people out there who shall we say are a slightly more kind of of a capitalisty type bent right on the other hand you've got all the people on my twitter feed who are a bunch of uh massive hippies and lefties and the naomi Kleins of this world who basically say terrible outrage disgrace we're all gonna die we haven't done anywhere near enough right and i think uh, in a way i think they're both kind of right in is this true and i don't think that's a position that is tenable so i need to think about it a bit but i uh, think that no, well, I, well, I, think, mm. I think i think uh, sorry to interrupt no go for it I, I needed shutting up uh <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it is kind of tenable. What what I saw some in fact friend of the babble um Alice Bell um wrote something extremely sensible I thought on Facebook which I saw she just, does that. just uh, earlier which is to say look climate change is and will be awful. There's no there's no um sense that we can just sort of turn a switch and stop this. Okay, it's going to be bad. Um however, the outcome of the Copenhagen talk 6 years ago was disastrous it was completely um we've talked about it before it it it, it burst the bubble of any hope for sorting this stuff out there was no agreement people went backwards there was no inclination to do anything what this has done has at least given us more space to tackle the problem there's so much more enthusiasm behind it there is an agreement um there is consensus about the science um there is consensus that fossil fuels have to stay underground um now, that doesn't mean those things are going to happen sufficiently or sufficiently quickly, but there's a lot more space. And and then the, probably the best thing I saw in 140 characters on Twitter was from Kumi, who's the director of Greenpeace International. Is he still the director of Greenpeace? Not sure. Anyway, very big, big Greenpeace person. And he said, um, everything good about this agreement has been achieved by people power. And... Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice way of putting it, actually, because it's not saying everything in this is brilliant. It is saying there are some good things in it, but it's saying it is the massive, massive kind of mobilisation of increasing numbers of people across the planet who care about this stuff that has got us there. And that is growing all the time as well. If you look at, mm-hmm. you know, the divestment movement, the climate movement generally, that's all the stuff which is growing. And then the, the noises are only get loud, going to get louder. So I think, I think it's possible to go, it's not good enough, but it's also great, if you see what I mean. Oh, yeah. Is it a good deal? Uh, which way? How do I not have you sitting on me? 
How do uh, I answer this to not have you sit on me? Remind me. No, I'm not reminding you. Is it a good deal? Okay. Um, maybe. <sighs> God, time can I have will, half a point then? Time will tell. <laughs> can I have half a point for that? All right, I'll give you half a point. Okay. That makes the score <laughs> four to two and a half, Ooh. right? And so it is your turn. Ol, what's your prediction? Very good. Well, ahem, this week... I think the long-running saga of the government, the UK government's um, pledge to cut feed-in tariffs for solar, cut support for solar, is going to come to a head. I think they are going to publish their response. And you know what? They are going to publish it on the last day before recess, just before the MPs swan off for their Christmas break. Um now, that sounds like a cheeky prediction of, like, this is what's published to happen. It's not. They haven't said anything, and it could be January. But they've just got a form of sneaking out these announcements when everyone's basically in a Christmas party and too drunk to do anything about it. So that's what I think is going to happen. So back in episode 21, a uh, bit of context, episode 21, we talked about the solar industry and all of the mischievous nonsense that the government is trying to wreak upon it. And uh, again, because I don't think Oll is fully capable of forming sentences, I shall explain what he means. Uh, there was a proposal to cut, uh, the by, by a hefty great watch, the amount of subsidy that solar panels get, and the government had proposed it. And I think what Oll's saying, although perhaps if you could indicate with an upward raise of an eyebrow or something, if mm-hmm. this is correct, I think you're saying that the government will confirm what they're going to do. Yes. Uh, this coming week, and yes. they will do it so late uh, that no one will be able to say anything about it because all the MPs will be away. Yes? Yes, precisely. Good. Well, um, this is the future. Now we have to go back to the past, which was also the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. all right, love. I've got it. It's all right. It's okay. Sustainable of the week. So, sustainable of the week. This is the section every week where we gaze out onto the green horizon and take aim at the egregious eco guff, the nonsense spouted by governments or companies or anyone who's just trying to sound greener and more virtuous than they are. And this week, we turn our ire. Focus our eye on the lovely hippie kitten cuddling company Cargill. You ever heard of Cargill, Dave? Well, I have, I sp- but but I know most people haven't, and I only have because of like stuff like this. They're for one of the world's. They are bloody massive, Cargill. They are bloody massive. Absolutely they are massive. colossal, and very few people have heard of them. But they're a huge food company, massive, massive food company. Uh, yeah, based in America, but they have huge international reach. Well, this is kind of the the gist of the article that um, we saw this week, in which, well, which was titled, which newspaper was it in? <laughs> have a guess, Dave. Guardian. Yes. Yes. Ugh, really must get our stories from somewhere else. Uh, yes, and the title of said Guardian article was Three Food Companies with a Climate Footprint Footprint Bigger Than the Netherlands. Now, I don't know if that means that the lot? Netherlands have got a <laughs> tiny footprint. Uh, I suspect it's... Clogprint. Clogprint, uh, hmm? yeah, very good. Very good, Dave. Hello, Jacob. Hello. <laughs> Boom, clog, dyke, windmill. Shit! Uh, I suspect it actually means that 
uh, they've got a normal footprint, clog print, and these companies have got a massive clog uh, <laughs> footprint. Hoof print. <laughs> Hoof print. Um, yeah, so this is the thing. These people um, produce all sorts of foods. Um, and the article was saying, basically, although they do measure their own carbon emissions, they only really uh, do so in relation to their sort of direct direct operations. So, you know, their own cars, they drive around and the light and the energy that's needed to power their buildings. What they don't do is have a look at their supply chain, which when you're a mahusive food company, which is, you know, growing phenomenal amounts of food in all sorts of corners of the earth and cutting down all sorts of bits of habitat to grow that food is kind of important. Um, Cargill reckons that its official annual emissions is 15 million tonnes, which is some tonnes, right? <laughs> I, I, I you know what? I, I'm going to digress for a second here. Shut up and listen, right? You know mm-hmm. what I don't understand when people say a tonne of carbon dioxide? What the hell is that? What is that? How big is that? Is that a lot? Are you well, a tonne of carbon dioxide? What is it? No, I'm, I'm about 69 and a half kilos of water, mainly. And, um, and anger. And, and hair. Anger and cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, 15 million tonnes, if that's a lot, is what Cargill's official emissions are. But if you account for the fact that all that huge amounts of what they do has emissions, i.e., you know, they're a food company and all the food they make, if you actually account for all of that, they reckon uh, Global Justice Now that it is 145 million tonnes, which is a heck of a lot mm. more, isn't it? That's not just, yeah, it's not just a rounding error, is it? No. It's not a small accountancy glitch. No. Um, so what they've said in response to this, um, this outing um, was the following brilliantly mealy-mouthed response. Uh, Cargill said it's working to reduce emissions across its supply chains, but that, cue Arabella. Measuring that progress in a quantifiable way is a separate challenge. Admittedly, it's something we and, and many others are still trying to figure out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet you're trying. I bet you're trying so hard with your little heads. Well, you put all your best brains on that, haven't you, Kyle? <laughs> I bet you go, do you know what, boys? Down tools. Let's stop burning rainforests and producing all the food. Let's try oh, a bit God. harder to quantify the bloody supply chain emissions. Oh, I don't dear. believe you for a second that you've ever put anything more than an intern's weekend capacity towards working that out. Sod you, Cargill. <laughs> I think you're being really 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 unfair if i may say so why because <laughs> i think they do because <laughs> i think it's really hard that's Bulls. why because i think it's really hard because i think i think it's really difficult i think right okay so that obviously they could do it if they wanted because they're massive and very very profitable right i don't dispute that for a second but i also i don't reckon that they have that they think that they're actually telling the full story of their climate impacts when they're just talking about like you know how much emissions come out of their buildings and their packaging and stuff like that i think they know that the vast majority of what they do is not accounted for and it's all agriculture and stuff like that it's just that it's hard i mean you know look it's difficult to do what are you going to do stick a bag on a bottom of a cow multiply that by 100,000 and then see what you suppose that is probably what you do isn't yeah, it? yeah pretty much that's what yeah. people do who study this stuff they work out how much methane comes out of cows bums but anyway stop letting cargill off the hook they're not nice monkeys and um this this is babble of the highest order if you ask me reasons to be cheerful 
So, reasons to be cheerful. Um, I feel like we've been quite cheerful this week, but that's that's not because of, you know, reality. It's just because we're on the happy pills. But um, the reasons to be cheerful this week um, is going to cover two things. The first is the news that Heathrow still isn't going to get its third runway, which, which is news that has just broken as we record this on the Thursday. David Cameron has yet again said, I'll make this decision some other time. Um, nothing at all to do with the fact that the London mayoral election is coming up and Zach Goldsmith doesn't want it to be his problem either. So they're going to make this decision again later next year. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm. I did just, um, I thought I'd have a little look at the press release they put out on this. It comes from the Department for Transport and um, it's called Government Confirmed Support for Airport Expansion in the Southeast. I thought, crikey Moses, I, I thought I'd heard that they'd, uh, they'd long grass this decision. They'd, they'd, they'd kicked it down the path. But that title suggests that they haven't. Anyway. Excuse me, oh, um, long grassed this decision. Yeah, that's fully deserved. Fully deserved. God, I hate myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I understood. Let me say this in a non-babble way. I understood that they, for reasons of politics they had decided to make this decision another time uh anyway so i had a little word search on the on the press release because i was like, i'm not going to read the whole thing i just want to know what they say about heathrow so i did by control i'll do it now look, i'll do it now this is okay apple f heath row <laughs> what have you got not found Oh, H E A T H R O W. Yeah, yeah. Not found. Not found. No. No. Well, uh, so, uh, it's very odd, given this is an okay. announcement about the third uh, runner at Heathrow. Yeah, we'll uh, try Gatwick. Okay. What's that? G A T W E. No. It's not found. Well, what are you looking at? You got the right thing up. Got the right thing, so you've got yeah. the press release that confirms support for expanding airports in the southeast. Yeah, and it, without mentioning the airports in the southeast. <laughs> anyway, what we really wanted to talk about uh, as a reason to be cheerful is that cue marching music. Korea is here to save the day. What are you talking about, Paul? Well, Dave, in the only newspaper we ever read, The Guardian, there is an article entitled North Korea Launches War on Deforestation and surprise, surprise, it's accompanied by a nice picture of nice, chubby Mr. Kim uh, by some trees. Um, Uh, He wants to turn all of the mountains of the country into mountains of gold, thickly wooded with trees. What colour are trees? Well, green, mostly. So what... Okay, well, he's on drugs there, right, obviously. (laughs) But apparently, um, they're going to have a great big large-scale tree planting initiative to cover North Korea in trees, with the aim, apparently, of reducing the country's total amount of greenhouse gas emissions by 37.4%, which is alarmingly precise, as compared with the level of the (laughs) 1990s, which isn't. Yes, (laughs) yes. Is that the bit of the 1990s when their economy absolutely tanked and everyone died or is it the bit when it started getting a little bit better i mean 
that's for them to say, I guess. Um, but here's the thing, all right. Um, so they're planting loads of trees, and I was I I was looking through this and thinking, all right, well, what's going on here? And then I read some stuff. North Korea actually does loads on climate change. Like, really? Yeah, it is one of it's. Uh, I was looking back at all the stuff it's promised to do. So it's a really active player in global climate change talks. It goes to them all and it takes part and it does what it says it's going to do. And they've been doing it for how years. Do we, how do you know it does what it says it's going well, to do? Well, because you have to. Well, all right, okay, so they could be... They just say they've done what they said they were going to do. And, of course, what they have to do is not very much because their, you know, their economy's all knackered and stuff like that. But, no, and apparently there's this piece that I was reading that said that the reason for this is because, frankly, they get money out of it. So they've realised, your your Kims, uh, your your dynasty of Kims has realised that if they go along with the, the, you know, the previous, as it was, climate arrangements, whereby, you know, rich countries did most of the work and developing countries did less and you get money sort of flowing from that, that they realise actually it'd be good for their economy and they've gone along with it, apparently. Mm. Yeah. In half of the week. So, Inhoff time, yeah, this is the section where, well, it's named after the senator in America, Jim Inhoff, who's a douchebag, because he thinks that climate change is isn't a real. What's well, a douchebag? Yeah, is it horrible? I don't know, it's what Americans say I've got in f- teenage films. I've got a it? funny feeling it's quite horrible. I've got well, a funny, funny feeling. Let's look it's, it up. Well, hang on, you, I'm going to look, look it up. up. You carry on talking, up. I'm going to look it up. Okay, well, he's a douchebag. He's a douche of the highest order because he says climate change isn't real because there's still snow. So we named a section of the show after him. Oh, no. Oh, it's horrible. Don't look it up. Don't look up what a douchebag is. Mustn't call people douchebags again. Anyway, uh, there are other people like him, similarly idiotic people, and this week we have got a member... Uh, well, a member of the Catholic faith who's signed, or rather authored, a petition having a pop at the Pope, a old popester, popey wope, um, for, in episode 19, go back and listen to where you'll hear us talking about this, for um, getting all keen on climate change. And in, in particular, he's very, very, very upset um, about a climate change light show that was used on St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, so um, what the Pope did, as everyone will remember, is he came out and said climate change is a massive problem. If you cause climate change, you are destroying Jesus' work and you will go to hell, pretty much, right? And because he's the Pope and the boss of the whole church, that makes it the law. And so all Catholics now have to believe that or they go to hell too. It's quite cool being Pope. You basically just get to get to make people believe what you want, right? Yeah. Over in Paris, you've had uh, 150 world leaders. You have got 97% of the world's climate scientists. You have got the blinking Pope, for God's sake, uh, who comes out. Blinking Pope? The blinking Pope, yep. It's like a Pope, but a blinky-winky one. And Mm. all of these people are coming out and they're saying climate change is real. It's a problem. Do something about it. What it isn't is a radical environmental ideology. But that's what this bloke... Uh, whose name is Robert Royal, um, has accused it of. So the whole idea of projecting images of like polar bears and stuff like that onto the side of St. Peter's Basilica uh, isn't what you and I might think it is, which is an act of beautiful artistic solidarity with the global climate change talks going on in Paris. No, it is apparently a thing that ideological politicians do, like President Obama's rainbow projection after the Supreme Court approved gay, and I'm making little bunny ears, marriage. (laughs) Wow, I hadn't read that bit. 
Oh, he's full-scale arsehole, this guy. <laughs> Projecting onto St. Peter's Basilica a radical environmental message that has no chance of actually resulting in an international agreement seems to make the church just one international NGO. Oh, God. And there's a petition. There's a petition which you can sign up to, which you can find on your own, because I'm not going to tell you where it is. But it has, at the time of writing, been signed by three and a half thousand people, which is fewer than a parliamentary petition in the UK to regulate the Isle of Wight's ferry lanes. It's, <laughs> it's fewer than the petition that the UK should get a new national anthem. And it's fewer than the petition that is calling for a vote of no confidence in the UK's Climate and Energy Secretary, Amber Rudd. So that is just about it for Sustainable 35. Thank you for sticking with us and for uh, I hope you enjoyed our audio magic time travel. Mm. Mm, thank you all very much. Thank you as always to Dickie Moore, whose music starts, ends, and intertwinkles the podcast. Thank you to Arabella, your six year old niece, for so ably dispensing the babble. Yes, and a special message to anybody who has been affected by the horrible, horrible floods, which might sadly be a bit of a sort of distant memory in the media by the time you listen to this because it's so uh, febrile and fatuous and moves on so fast. But I'm sure if you are one of the unfortunate people that's been affected by flooding, you are in for a very tough time and we uh, we send you our deepest sympathies really um it's all horrible and happening far too often and more severely and it's climate change and people are saying stupid things about it um but all we can do right now is say um well good luck with with what will be a horrible period of time and our thoughts are with you nicely done public service announcement you can get in touch with the show uh, drop us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish or uh, on twitter at the babble wagon or find us on facebook at sustainababble and if you enjoy our witterings do give us a review on your favourite podcast platform of choice because it doesn't half make a difference very good alright Dave I will see you next week for excitingly sustainababble's review of the year yes, yes it's our Christmas episode so it's going to be Yes? Sustainer uh, Bauble. Sustainer Bauble! Oh, what a pun. What a pun. All right, see you next week, Dave. Bye bye. Kim Jung. Oh, I can't say his name. Kim Jung. Kim. Kim Jung. Oh, you'll never make a career out of this.